so beautiful. Thank you, Iman, Aaron. Thank you, Jake and Caleb and praise team. So beautiful. Such a great gift to be led together before the throne of our most holy God, isn't it? What a great God we worship together today. Would you pause with me once more as we pray before opening the word of God together? Indeed, you are holy, our God. We bow down before you in worship, and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would move among us today. You know the points of our need. Let us listen to you as you speak through the word of God. May you meet that need in us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, during COVID, we haven't traveled near as much, especially, but if we're honest, it really didn't start with COVID. It started with having young children. So we used to travel a lot more, and we're looking forward to doing it again. But every time I pull up those pictures of international trips, I get excited all over again. There was one trip in particular that I went to Greece and Turkey and got to spend quite a bit of time in that region. And one of the stops that we made was at a Persian rug-making factory. It was this place where we saw so many people just sitting, moving along the looms, creating these intricate and beautiful rugs. It was amazing. Have any of you ever seen this done in person? It's amazing to get to witness. Now, one of the characteristics of Persian rugs is that they contain mistakes. But when the rug maker notices something, they intricately weave it together so that it blends in, so that no one rug is like another. They're woven together. But you know, when I saw them in the process, because we saw them at each different stage of the process, you really don't know what they'll be as they're coming along. You look at it and you're like, ah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that one. And then you see it at the end, and it's amazing how it comes together. They say that hindsight is 2020. But there are some situations in our life that we look back on and we still don't know why. Do any of you have any instances where you still don't know yet why something happened in your life the way that it happened? Some of them, yes. We get a few years from distance from it, and we look back and we're like, that's what you were weaving together, God. Look at what you were doing. I praise you, O oh God, because you were working it all together. And then some of it, I believe we are waiting until we see Jesus face to face where we will recognize and realize, oh, I see what you were doing. I imagine myself just falling down my, on my face before Jesus in that moment, recognizing that truly God was weaving something all together for good, as Romans 8.28 really says. This series that we continue called Overcomer is how God is forming us and making us to be overcomers as Jesus was. But one of the characteristics of an overcomer is that we trust even when we don't see. Because a characteristic of faith is that faith is walking even when we do not have the sight to understand what is happening. 
So even when we don't see the pattern, even when we don't see the finished product, even when we're not sure how is this all working together for good, we have a trust to walk forward. Remember, this series has all been in 1 Peter. If you're joining us for the first time, this is part seven. We conclude the series next week with part eight, which Pastor Mike will be sharing. But part seven today is in this series where Peter is writing to these believers that are scattered throughout five regions of Asia Minor. They are scattered, they are suffering, they feel like strangers far from home. And Peter speaks directly into their experience, and he encourages them to trust the promise of God even when they don't see. So turn in your Bibles with me, if you would. It's 1 Peter, so you can go all the way to Revelation and then turn a little bit to the left if you want to get there. It's right between Hebrews and Revelation. Those are the biggest books around it. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4 today. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'll start with verse 12. It says there, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous, he's quoting Proverbs here, to be saved, then what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Don't be surprised at your suffering, but instead rejoice. This is not an easy word, Peter. The feeling that we have when we suffer is that no one else has ever suffered like we suffer right now. That's the feeling that comes on us. No one else has ever felt what I am feeling. And Peter is normalizing the pain in this passage. Notice he doesn't minimize it. It's not light or small what the believers are going through, but it is a shared experience. Yeah, it's like what reminds me of 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah just faces this fiery trial. Jezebel's trying to kill him. He has just been faithful on Mount Carmel. And God tells him to take a nap and sends an angel to give him food. And then he rests again. And then Elijah says, there's no one left. I'm the only one who's faithful. And God says, I've got 7,000 who haven't bowed to Baal. Here in this passage, Peter is reminding them that Jesus suffered and others suffer and just like these others you too are suffering. 1 Corinthians 10:13 says no temptation or trial or suffering has seized you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful and will not let you be tempted, tried or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you experience this, God will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So Peter is saying 
to confront these two lies of the enemy, the most common lies when we suffer is, I won't get through this, and no one has ever suffered like I am suffering right now. Lies from the enemy. So God says, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. I will give you enough strength to make it through it. I'll provide you a way out so you can stand up under it. And it's something common to humanity. You know you're not alone. This fiery trial that has beseeched you, you know you're not alone. In another translation, this scripture is rendered this way. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ himself experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Come on, help and encourage the discouraged today. Glory is just around the corner. Glory is just around the corner. And for Peter, that glory might show up in this passage in a way you're not able to receive it. So let me highlight it. It's called judgment. Verse 17, judgment is coming. Uh, in staff meeting a couple weeks ago, we talked about as pastors how many times people talk about fearing the judgment of God. It's important to understand in this passage that judgment was good news. Remember, you're being persecuted. You are watching the suffering of believers around you. And in the context of this, God is saying through Peter that judgment of God is coming. And that judgment means that God is going to make all things right in Jesus. This is how we live in light of eternity. Prophetic preachers have attached timelines, prophecies making them specific to the things that we're experiencing in this world, just like now when we're experiencing war and we're watching these things that are unfolding. And it can cause us to become despondent, but the soonness of Jesus coming is still real. We can't understand or know the timing of when it will be, but we cannot lose sight of the vision of God. That it is reality that Jesus is coming and that the judgment of God makes all things right as they were intended to be. Because on the one hand, humans can buy into the myth of progress, that we just keep getting better and better and better. And I don't know about you, but humanity gives some questions to that. Like we uh, aren't uh, seeing that, are we? That humanity just keeps getting better. But on the other side, the scripture speaks of a final act of judgment which allows all things to be made right again. So Peter is echoing that judgment brings the complete reconciliation of all things. So in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of the fiery trial that has overcome them, he says, look to Jesus and his suffering. Allow the suffering of Jesus to give you a sweet companionship that you can make it through and know that there is a time coming when all things will be made right again. So I stand here today to tell you that I still believe in the soon coming of Jesus. I still believe that the world will ultimately get better when Jesus brings justice and love and grace to all people. I still believe that the day is coming when war will cease, when there will, be any, will not be any longer people that are innocent, children, suffering, when the struggle will be over. I stand here today longing for the day when all will bend the knee, 
All cultures, tribes, genders, ages will bow down to the one who is worthy of our praise. The scripture says in that day, lion will lie down with the lamb because even the most vicious among us will not have any violence left in them. Weapons will be beat into gardening tools and we will stand together as one united humanity, recognizing that we are all children of God. I believe this will only happen as a result of God's intervention and as Peter says, the coming day of judgment which I pray you will recognize is good news. In the midst of whatever suffering, whatever fiery trial, know that you have a companion Jesus and know that a day is coming when all will be made right. Let's hear from one overcomer this morning. As we hear some of her story, I pray that your heart is encouraged today. I really just wanna talk to him and check up on him. Because when I was young, I would just come up to him and just talk to him. I know COVID has taken a lot of life and one of that life is including my dad. When that happened, I was here and my dad was back home in Indonesia. My mom called me and said that Papa is not feeling well. He lost an appetite. He lost um, the sense of smell and the sense of taste. COVID is everywhere. Even if you go to the hospital, you're not going to be seen right away because that's what happened with my dad. So um, after a few days at home, he lost an appetite. He felt so weak. So finally, he's like, I want to go to the hospital. I want to go to the hospital. But when you went to the hospital because of COVID, no one can be with you, right? So. My dad got hospitalized for like a week, but I feel like the COVID was already severe because once he got to the hospital, it's not like he got to be treated right away. And by that, by that time, I think his oxygen level was already low and the COVID has already spread, I think already to the brain. It was only like five days and he passed away right after that. So it was very sudden. But before that, my mom was telling me, um, after being admitted, I always think that in the back of my head, he always make it. My dad had almost died two times in his life before. First one, he had a motorbike accident when he was 17 years old. Broke his leg, he had like a year rehabilitation to be able to walk. He's able to make it. He had a kidney stone removal and he fell. After the surgery, you know, you're supposed to be recovered. Of course, my dad's like, no, I can do everything. And he was to stand up and he fell. And of course, he has a bleeding that cannot be stopped. Um, but thankfully, he regained his consciousness. So he was back with us. When my dad was hospitalized, I was like, no, he would make it because my dad is strong. He's fine. So that's what I kept telling myself. But then that last day, um, my mom was telling me, um, Sally, Pop-Up has gone but the doctor were able to bring him back. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. After that, long story short, my mom were like calling me again. This was on Sabbath noon, around 12 o'clock, and telling me that, oh, Papa is gone. And I'm like, how in the world Papa is gone? Um, I thought he was gone and then he's back. Now he's literally gone. Um, and my mom was like, yeah, Papa is gone forever. Um, that's when I... I cried because I don't think I had the closure. We only did FaceTime once because it was so hard to get him to the phone. 
and no one is there taking care of him. Um, so it was, it was very difficult for me because I feel like I'm here by myself. I want to go back home, but in, the rule in Indonesia was after you pass away from COVID, he has to be buried or burned within four hours after you pass. And I'm like, I told my mom, I want to go home. And my mom was like, what are you going to do once you got here? Because it's, we already cremated him. We already have the processor and it's going to be done. So we did the memorial service through Zoom. We had like a lot of it from different um, churches and different people messaging me and telling me the goodness and kindness of what my dad did. My dad would always love to build churches or donate to hospital or donate to making schools in the rural areas. Even a few of my friends that I didn't even know, it's like, Sally, you don't know how good your dad is because if it wasn't for your dad, I wouldn't be a dentist, I wouldn't be a doctor. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't know all these things that my dad did that helps me wants to do more, like more ministry. When I was young, I would just come up to him and just talk to him. I really just want to talk to him and check up on him because after he passed, I found all this, you know, memory that I had in the back of my head that I'm, I actually do a lot of things with my dad. I do a lot of things with my dad. When we walk together in the park or in the store, he would just hold my hand randomly. And I think that's very, that's very nice. After that memorial service and uh, talking to my mom and my siblings, I feel like I cannot be selfish in terms of, I know I'm not the only one who miss him. A lot of people from church, a lot of my friends um, love him as well. And I know that God really love him. And I don't know what the pain my dad had to endure before, but since he is already gone, it's comforting to know that my dad doesn't have to suffer anymore, doesn't have to uh, live in pain, knowing that he can rest and when Jesus come again, I'm able to meet him again. I'm work in progress every day. Cry, cry if you want to, cry. It helps to go through the process. But after that, I would pray to God to give me strength. It's gonna get better. It's not you forgotten about it. It's just you're able to remember him or her. Remember the good things, not just the bad things. Even the bad things become the very good thing. I am Sally Gonzaga, and this is my story. I'm so grateful Sally was bravely willing to share her story with us. That somehow, that turning of suffering into something that we're able to experience as good is something that is ongoing and, and progressive in her life and in her story. Reminds me of the very last thing I want to share with you. My favorite place in Istanbul that we went to was this ancient museum and we found this artifact. Maybe you recognize it. It's called the Spoonmaker's Diamond, but it has a very interesting story that it was discovered in the 1600s in a trash heap and then it was traded for spoons. The story goes that it was traded for three spoons. It was all covered, of course, and, and, and had clay around it. But as it was traded and traded, soon a jeweler took notice of it 
and found out it was an 86 carat diamond. 86 carats hiding under trash. And I believe that the suffering in your life and in my life is what God can do like something found in a trash heap, something you would have never chosen, something you would never want. But then somehow over time, as God uses the parts of our story that we would have never willingly walked into, they become like 86 karat diamonds, treasure found in trash. That somehow you found you have a depth of relationship with Jesus. Somehow you find you have resilience you didn't have before. Somehow you find that you have a depth of empathy when you're talking with someone else, ability to feel with someone that you could have never felt with before. Would you have wanted it? No. Would you have chosen it? No. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, he brought about treasure from trash. From the fiery trial of suffering, God can bring about beauty. And that is the promise that we hold on to as overcomers being transformed into the likeness of Jesus that God can transform anything. That's what we hold on to today. So we come to a table today that is a table of suffering, that in the suffering of Jesus, that in the broken body of Jesus, that paradoxically is our wholeness in his brokenness, our life in his death. And so we invite you to the table this morning as God not only promises to transform our own suffering, but also promises that his suffering is what makes us whole. I invite Pastor Gatra and Pastor Linda to join me here, and I remind you today that we practice open communion as a church community. Anyone, even in this very moment, if you have just said, Jesus, I accept you, I accept your sacrifice for me so that I can come to have life, you are welcome and invited to receive this communion today. The reason this is called Eucharist is from the Greek word thanksgiving, Eucharisto. We come to this table with thanksgiving in our hearts because we recognize in the chaos and in the brokenness of the world that we are made whole in Jesus Christ. And that, friends, is very good news.